Hello and welcome to another episode of Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Patrick, and I'm back here this week, as always, with Chris. Hello. And Steven. Hey. We are here today to review my pick for this episode, which is the Japanese CG anime mecha monster throwdown Gantz O. But before we delve into that, as usual, we always do a little horror catch up at the top of the show where we talk about what we've been watching, reading, or especially this week, just experiencing in the world of horror. Uh, I know Chris and I kind of had a mutual experience this week. So, Stephen, do you want to kind of kick us off before we jump into our little extravaganza? I got nothing, so let's hear about it. Oh, shit. I know, Chris and I have texted extensively about it, and I know quite a bit, but uh curious to hear what else I might have missed out on. Yeah, so we went to Motor City Nightmares, which, as uh, dedicated Amon fans may know, is actually a convention here in the Detroit area that uh, Amon tabled at a couple of years ago, and uh, Chris and I went this year. I don't know, Chris, what were the highlights or lowlights for you? Well, it was an eclectic experience as usual. It had some highs. It had some lows. Uh, I bought a Mothman shirt that I like a lot. I'm excited to be wearing that. Uh, really nice <laughs> Mothman design on that one. I had an awkward. Uh, inca- we both had an awkward encounter with Henry Thomas, our our fa- mm-hmm. our fan, our friend of of Suicide Kings fame, who by all accounts is a nice guy, but. I don't know. Patrick thinks he just is over talking to fans. I think he's just kind of in his own head a little bit and not not really comfortable in that kind of uh, social arena. But maybe maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, I also stopped by, said hi to Henry. He was also a little uh, didn't seem super excited about talking necessarily. But yeah, as as Chris and I kind of discussed, uh, I feel like I would also get a bit exhausted of that whole bit if i was in his place especially for someone who like me just stopped by his table to chat for free when he's there to make money he's there to sign autographs he's there to you know oh that's an important piece of the puzzle here that i didn't consider that you guys were just striking up conversation you were crossing his palm with silver so yeah you gotta pay for the 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 smile when it comes to henry thomas yeah that's my thought and I, i think it's the case with a lot of these folks you know i think we got lucky with you know someone like d wallace where i was just you know three beers deep in the hotel lobby a couple years ago and it was like hey d you want to come talk to us for our podcast and god bless her she was like sure and fielded our dumb questions for a couple minutes but uh you know i think you run into kind of different different personalities in this type of environment yeah let's just say that the convention environment is inherently uncomfortable and there are some people who are really extroverted and thrive in it on the celebrity side. And there's some people who aren't, who are maybe more introverted, uh, self-conscious artist types. And I think we can put Henry in the second category. Yeah. Still looking very much forward to seeing him in his new Flanagan project this fall, which his handler, his handler did bring up when I stopped by the table. Henry did not self promote, but his handler was like, see him on Netflix this fall. Yeah. His handler scabbed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit. (laughs) Well, his handler presumably is not in SAG. So I guess. Yeah. uh, Actually, that's true though. I wonder if the handler was kind of like obligated to, to talk up the project because Henry probably, yeah, I mean, Henry can't right now. Anyways, I don't know. I, that's scabbing in my book when you're when Henry can't sure. say it. So I'm sitting right next to him to say the same thing that he would <laughs> say if he weren't on strike. Sure. 
Anyway, what else happened uh, on that weekend? Well, I, my highlight of the con was seeing a, a local band that I've kind of idolized for a long time, but I've never seen in person, Voyager. And if Voyager, any, yes. Yeah, if anybody wants to look them up, the E in Voyager is actually a three. So it's V-O-Y-A-G, three R. But they just do like your 80s throwback synth heavy uh, genre movie music. I felt like I was seeing John Carpenter again. They were just... Man, it went so fucking hard. I loved their I've loved their recordings for a long time, but the live band was a slapper. So, if you're into horror movies, sci-fi, B movies and the awesome fucking music associated with a lot of them in the 80s, check out Voyager and then also see if they wind up in your area. I would highly recommend uh yeah, seeing them live if you get the chance. I had gone home by that point. Because I had been in a dispute with the security about whether or not I could bring a shovel with my pet cemetery costume into the venue. Uh, but I'm glad you had a good time. You took you took your shovel and went home. Yeah. Um, uh, Felissa Rose yelled at me, and not not an awkward introvert said, "I love that." As I walked by her table. <laughs> So fucking her. jealous. So didn't, jealous. Didn't, she would have been the reason for me to go if I had planned on going, frankly. Yeah. yeah, Motor City Nightmares. Good way to spend a day. Good way to spend 10 hours. I was there for fucking 10 hours. Yeah, I have a complicated relationship with that Same. thing. So <laughs> I, I'll, I'll stop short of saying, hey, good way to spend 10 hours. You should go. I'll just say it's in our backyard. It was horror related. We felt like we had to go. And oh, I'm not going to encourage anyone to like come to Michigan for it. I'm just saying I had a great fucking day. We should maybe go somewhere cooler than Marseille Nightmares one of these days. Oh, I've got some ideas, and I think yeah. we came close to planning one in the past, so yeah. stay tuned. Could do a live episode from, from elsewhere. Yeah. Well, what well, the hell did we watch this week? We watched fucking Gantz. Oh, which... Oh, that's right. You said that. Yeah, I did. And which actually kind of ties into my horror catch up as well, because I read a fuck ton of the Gantz manga, but it's kind of one of those things like with with uh, Ringu and the ring. I'll uh, I'll comment on the manga probably well, occasionally as we talk about the movie. Just answer me this, because yeah. I was speaking with a friend who is more learned about anime and manga than I am. And he said watching this Gantz O movie is like watching the sopranos if it were condensed into a 90 minute cgi cash grab movie hmm um i so i mean like gantz the manga is definitely massive i mean like so many manga series there's a million fucking volumes of it and i just read an omnibus that collected the first three i will say the storytelling in that was decompressed as fuck like i honestly felt like i had processed so little story even after reading three volumes of this so I don't know if you extrapolate it out to the amount of story over, you know, I don't know. I think there's like 30 volumes or some something like that of this shit. Um, I'm not sure what the com- compression factor is, but the, the manga was very decompressed. I would yeah, because there's very little story in the movie as well. So I was kind of curious. I'm like, is this adapting like like a couple of issues of Gantz? But it sounds like that this might be a problem endemic to, to Gantz itself in that it takes a while to really flesh anything out. Yeah, I found this quite fast paced. It actually improved on a lot of things that bothered me about the manga, I guess. And one of those was, yeah, kind of the 
pacing or the amount of like just sort of incident that actually happens in the story here. But I think I read this as based on like an arc of probably like a volume okay. or something of Gantz, the manga. But the basic setup is essentially you have people who die for various reasons and then they are resurrected. They have high-tech gear, high-tech suits, and they are sent out to defeat monsters that are attacking uh, Tokyo and also in this movie, Osaka. So we open by seeing one of these people die in the process of fighting monsters. And then we pretty quickly switch over to our uh, main protagonist. What's his name? Kato, I think. Yeah. 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 Kato is our main protagonist. Uh, He is stabbed to death in a subway very soon after we meet him and then wakes up in this room with some of the other monster fighters where he finds that he's now been kind of drafted into this uh, (laughs) special forces unit of resurrected folks who have, you know, at at the time of their death, no previous experience fighting monsters, but all of a sudden Mm -hmm. have to figure it out using this gear and uh, rather vague instructions from this big spherical computer in the same room as them, which is the titular Gantz or, or Gantz in the Japanese pronunciation. So you're pretty much immediately thrown into action with this prologue and it's more or less you're in the thick of action for the entire fucking movie. They're pretty much just out there fighting monsters and kind of having conversations in between fighting monsters for the entire 90 minutes. Yeah, this is all killer no filler mm-hmm. or maybe the filler is the killer i, I don't know it's it, it's it's very thin on story if you if you like seeing cool action realized in cgi this might be a movie for you yeah and i think that's the other kind of crucial element to mention which i did say at the top of the show but it is it is anime but not the kind of cell animation or even you know uh modern cg animation emulating cell animation that you might expect mm-hmm. of anime it's 3d you know attempting to be very photorealistic cgi throughout and and you have pretty realistic looking characters they still have kind of like the cartoon um sort of style that you would expect of like a manga or anime character but very fully rendered like fleshy faces um which you know causes a little bit of cognitive dissonance but Honestly, it didn't feel as weird as I thought it was going to. How did you guys kind of feel about that? I guess maybe just sort of the uncanny valley or or lack thereof or excess thereof. I didn't think it was done particularly well. But then again, like the longer I watched it, the more my eyes just kind of my eyes and just sort of my expectations adjusted to what it was. Um, It does feel like watching one long like if it were a video game cutscene, <laughs> it would be done very, very well. I will say that. Like, that's the level yeah. this is at. It's not like it's without quality, um, but for a for a 90-minute movie, it kind of looks like ass. It reminds me of that weird-ass Final Fantasy movie that came out yeah. in the 2000s that nobody saw that also, like, didn't seem to have anything to do with Final Fantasy, <laughs> where all of the characters were supposedly, like, photorealistic CGI. Yeah. It is real weird. It was a choice. Yeah, the way you're, you kind of benchmark your expectations and the way those expectations shift. Like, I, I've, been, I've been thinking about choosing this movie for a long time. When I first saw it in the horror category, I was like, this looks weird. This looks like absolutely nothing else. It's been on Netflix for mm-hmm. years. And even the poster, when I first looked at it, and I was like, wow, these people are like wearing these weird sort of sci-fi, like fetishy looking outfits. 
but wait, they don't look quite real. Because at first I assumed they were humans because they looked photorealistic enough in a small poster for me to think that it was actually live action. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh, that's animation and it doesn't look great. I think my expectation was very low. And so like when I got into it, it is very detailed. And as you said, Stephen, like it does at times feel like a video game cutscene, but looks better than probably any video game cutscene, and yet still exists in that weird... There is some uncanny valley to it, but not as much as I thought there was going to be. I don't know. I'm I'm rambling, but my brain was just kind of constantly, like, I guess, negotiating with this whole thing and the reality or lack thereof. My brain didn't compare it to live action at all. My brain compared it to hand-drawn anime. And I said, here's hand-drawn anime realized with computers. And that's what they're doing. I, I didn't feel any uncanny valley. It, it is so cinematic, though. Like, there's camera movement and stuff that you wouldn't see in, like, a hand-drawn yeah. anime. I think it is trying to emulate you live wouldn't, action. You wouldn't see that? And that stuff Not is good. Often. I think, like, the direction is really interesting and kind of kinetic. But there's not a lot of, like, the characters, like, affectations, like, their facial expressions are very flat. We don't really get get a whole lot of expressiveness out of that. And I found, I don't know, do we know if any of this was done with mocap? I wondered about that. I, I tried to look into that just a little bit, but there, I didn't I'm find sure a ton of information. I would think so, too, yeah. I'm sure it was. I mean, it's it's you, you don't have to be James Cameron to do mocap these days. I In fact, I just met down at the 48-hour film project mixer I went to last week. There were a couple people who are like in their 50s or 60s who do animation with mocap environments. Mm. <laughs> like they have a home-built mocap studio. So if you're making a movie like this, you're, you're probably doing mocap. It just felt to me like the, the characters' movements were sort of weirdly stiff in a way. Like there's some like kind of digital cutting around the edges of suits and things. They de- They definitely are at times, yeah. They weren't doing all the stuff they did in the movie, I'll tell you that. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> even when, but even when a character is just, like, sort of standing, like, looking at something, it, it looks, like, unnatural. Like, there's just not quite enough movement going on, but there's enough to make it feel like there was a human performer behind it, if that makes sense. I don't know. I, I don't know anything about anime. I don't know enough about animation or mocap to talk about this movie on a technical level. I'm just grasping at straws. I'm full of shit. The the other well, all, I, all I know is big monster blood. <laughs> I say ooh. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I found myself comparing it to, which you know, outside of like Cameron, I think this is one of the sort of most prominent examples of this in like American cinema is like the Zemeckis mocap movies, like Beowulf oh, and yeah. Christmas Carol and shit. And this looks like. Oh, twice, God. twice as fucking good as those. I'll give if, it that at if, least. If that if that motherfucker with the samurai sword had been on the Polar Express, I don't <laughs> want to think about it. So let's move beyond like visuals or, or sort of craft to like talk about the the premise. I'm just curious, like kind of because I I had some precedent for this, obviously, and the the manga like also kind of just throws you into this and you're trying to figure out what the fuck is going on along with the characters. Unlike Circle, I guess that's a theme between oh, last, I thought about Circle last episode a and hell this of a lot. Yeah. How did you guys respond to the sort of like, yeah, figuring out the rules of how this all works as it goes along? I didn't miss a beat. I'm a, Listen, I'm a gamer. Mm. Video games in real life, already the same thing in my mind. I see these guys die and they respawn and now they gotta, they've got to fight in a video game. I'm like, 
I got it. I'm there. Perfect. They got to go and they, they spawn in. They fight. I assume they're going to spawn back at the end. The only thing I was unsure of is like, is this a simulated environment? Yes. Is this the Matrix? Um, and I uh-huh. guess there's, that's one of the distinctions between the manga and this, because I guess in the manga, the world at large can't see what's happening. Mm. Is, that, is true? that true? I don't. That's what Wikipedia said. I don't think that was revealed in at least what I read. But again, I read you know really a fraction of okay. what's out there. Well, I that took may this or may in, not be true in the movie. I think it's meant to be okay. What what really complicates this and like begs more questions than an audience should really have to like seek answers to is just that. But I think the main. I think Kato's brother. Is like he's watching the news and there's like yeah. fu- there's monsters like there, there's yeah. like shit yeah, going there's down. Monsters out there. So it's re- like you got to come home on the TV. Monsters are blowing up Tokyo. I didn't know they could do that. That's weird. <laughs> but in the world of the movie, it's real. But what complicates it for the viewer, at least this viewer, is that this whole thing is CGI animation. So there's no like I, I was expecting there to like if if this wasn't actually happening in the real world, I was expecting there to be like. Like maybe like the stuff with Kato's younger brother is like live action. He's watching the news and like he's not seeing the monsters. But when we cut to Kato, he's in a, basically in a video game. And that didn't happen. And I kept kind of wondering if it would at some point because it's never really addressed in any concrete way. Yeah, it certainly does raise some questions because, I mean, people people are certainly seeing news broadcasts about the monsters. There's shots of people texting each other about the monsters. And people are aware that there are these black-suited individuals who are fighting the monsters. And we can see, like, they're not masked. You know, their faces are not concealed. So you would think, you know, for example, like Kato's brother would see his brother on TV and be like, what the hell, why, how, how or why is my brother fighting monsters? But not really, not addressed. Well, Kato's kind of hiding too. He's trying not to be noticed. That's true. All of this. Yeah. You would think that, or you would think that in a world where people are watching their cities be ravaged by monsters, apparently on a pretty frequent basis, and they're seeing these heroes fighting the monsters on a pretty frequent basis that like when the military shows up, they won't all start like trying to shoot the heroes. Yeah. Like, you'd think they would know what's going on. <laughs> so yeah. the, the the movie doesn't, the rules about how much this world like clashes into the, the real world are a little bit poorly defined in this, but it's really not important because the love, the destruction is without consequence. Almost all the dying is without consequence. Mm-hmm. This is a movie about some cool dudes with little superpowers. It's like the 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 big bad Beetleborgs, typical kids, with some, <laughs> with some powers, and then they get like you know different types of guns that can blow up ugly monster heads and make a bunch of blood. Um, yeah, the, that's, the, what, that's what the movie is. Yeah, the tech was fun, uh, and some of it also lifted right from the comics. Like, I like the guns that you shoot, and then it takes a couple seconds to fucking explode yeah. a monster's head, you know? There's a weird, like, kind of laser rope thing that they wrap around monsters to trap them and, and uh, you know, spawn them out. There's, like, a big kind of, like, flat 
laser thing that smashes up. I don't know. It's, oh, I it's, like that thing. It's, I like the like the gravity thing. It's fun, stupid that was shit. Cool. Yeah, that's what I would use if I were in this world. Yeah, I'd be smashing everything. Yeah, it just feels like watching somebody play a really cool video game, though. I in yeah. the end, I did experience yeah. at several points, like sort of. You know, we keep talking about cutscenes, and a few moments, I, ju- I just had like the mental urge of like, okay, I t- turn out, turn the controls over to me. Like, when do I get to play? You know, I know it looks really fun. I want a game where I can use a sword like that. Yeah, yeah. But that's 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 your movie. Oh <laughs> well, well, I mean, the the monster designs I really liked. That's what I was going to cool. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I think most of those are probably pulled. I would suspect most of those are pulled from the comics, but there's some sick ass monsters. They're all over the place. These monsters, Mm -hmm. there's a gigantic fucking floating human head that bounces around and crushes people. I don't know. What was some of your favorite monsters? I mean, there's like like big heads that are floating around on the or rolling around on these like burning wheels. (laughs) Yeah. There are creatures that are just beyond description that show up for like a second like i kind of admired that like the design element of that there's one that like it's like a little old man oh my god like <laughs> goblin sort of thing that like replicates when it gets slashed into different pieces and it doesn't really do anything violent it just like taunts you but it keeps like but it becomes sort of like all consuming the more times it multiplies not unlike a gremlin uh yeah, and the most important part is at one point it transforms into a giant, like, behemoth, King Kong-sized, yeah. naked woman composed of, like, hundreds of other naked women's bodies. Like, this, and this is depicted, like, there's a close-up on this old man's eye, and all of a sudden yeah. a breast grows out of his eye, mm-hmm. and this is how the transformation into this, like, naked woman thing happens. It's It's one of the most insane things I've scene maybe just period same i and <laughs> like of all the amon movies for me to watch completely sober i can't believe this was the one <laughs> i, I really want to see the, the drive-in totals on this one 4500 breasts <laughs> probably not far off no no that was uh that was a vision for sure is that where the NC-17 came from, I wonder? I don't know. Is this actually rated NC-17? I couldn't tell. That's, I couldn't, what, it's, that's what Google says, but yeah. I wasn't able to corroborate oh, that. I didn't even look. I would, I mean, I would is, think so. It is ultra-violent. I guess, but not... I mean, it's sort just of, like it's, creature violence for the most part. Yeah. There's a lot of blood. There is a lot of blood. There yeah. are pools of blood. But again, it's all CGI, and the characters are CGI. So yeah. I don't know how that factors into the MPAA mpaa's ratings yeah in the way of a plot such as it is like our our hero is motivated to get through this experience to be reunited with his little brother who he takes care of uh we we learn the rules of this are again very like a video game the 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 fighters score points based on how many monsters and what uh, sort of <laughs> difficulty level, basically, of monster they're able yeah. to kill. And then if they hit 100 points, they can get one of three things. New weapons, they can return to their regular life with their memory wiped, or they can resurrect a dead player from the game. So our hero is motivated to you know, get get through this fight and rack up enough points to get back to his brother. And I can't wait to talk about how that all pans out, what the payoff for that is in the spoiler room, because that wowie. Took, that took me a minute wow. to wrap my head around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think there might have been a real missing from this movie at one point too. But yeah, we'll get into it. <laughs> the uh, the interesting part for me, the most interesting part, came right at the beginning of the movie when the, apparently these monsters have done this a lot, and we find out at the end that how that this maybe has gone on even longer than we know but for some reason it's still a novelty that monsters are attacking these cities but the the scale of the destruction in i think tokyo or wherever it starts off there's someone on tv or someone in the in the subway station who's like what is it is it the u.s military <laughs> oh i missed that <laughs> i didn't miss yeah oh you missed that yeah, there's they're, they're like, what's going on? It, like, is it the U.S. military? And the implication is that like only the U.S. military could fuck up a city <laughs> like this. Um, and I like that, especially you know, look, we we gotta say it right now. Big movie in the theaters, Oppenheimer. Everybody wants a nuke. Everybody wants to build a nuke and use a nuke right now. <laughs> Listen, oh yeah, nukes like, are back in, baby. <laughs> Nukes are back in, um, but right along with like, the color pink. But something that always uh, interests me about Japanese media, especially where giant monsters and stuff are concerned, and horror is concerned, is just the the cultural footprint of the atomic bombings on Japan, and just all this all this unthinkable horrific imagery that comes out of Japan that we couldn't do if we tried that often resonates with eyewitness accounts of the af- the aftermath of the bombings and, and things of that nature so it kind of colored the whole way I watched this movie and, and I don't think that's unique to Japan either because the more I thought about this I think the United States is extremely culturally affected by our experience in world war two and it gave us like so much machismo (laughs) and like our, our movies like without world war two, most our superheroes don't exist. I don't think die hard exists without world war two star Wars doesn't exist without world war two. And ever we just have this attitude of like, Oh, look at, look at us like throwing our weight around. We, we, we just have culturally acted like someone who's just never been punched in the mouth. And it's just this kind of a stark contrast between, I think this and the kind of action stuff that you see in Japan where it's all, all so often about monster, unspeakably ghoulish monsters, raising cities. And even when the heroes win, they're getting maimed and they're appealing to nonviolence. I don't know. This is just on my mind throughout this whole movie. And that's pretty much where I drew my enjoyment of this movie from. Oh, we're on the same page. I mean, this goes back to Godzilla and probably a bunch of other franchises that we don't even know about, you know, because we're not nerdy enough. But also, it is interesting that in the U.S., there was kind of an atomic age of films, too, with movies like Them, with like giant ants, you know, caused by nuclear radiation. And I think those films, the U.S. films are more like military rah-rah-rah, sort of, whereas the Japanese films, the Godzilla movies especially, are like much more contemplative about trying to find a peaceful solution to the problem. And Godzilla becomes the friend of the people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about Pacific Rim a lot while watching this, yes. too, which I may be the yeah. only person in this group that enjoys. Uh, 
I feel like I've I heard some, some shit in the past. What? But, um, I love Pacific Rim. Oh, you do? Okay, well, great. I've, I've wanted to rewatch it, so let's do that sometime. Hell I think yeah. it's a great movie. That's Del Toro. I, that's probably Del Toro's best movie, or my, my, my favorite, favorite Del Toro movie. Yeah. I think pe- most people would say we're both fucked up individuals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but- <laughs> oh, yeah. But I mean, like, that's where I like Del Toro the most is when he's just doing, like, big, stupid monster shit. You know, De- Del Toro always falls apart for me when he's trying to make, like, a big social point. Like, you know, that's why Pan's Labyrinth doesn't work as well for me. And especially Shape of Water doesn't work for me. But I, I love when he's just being a nerd and, like, using his considerable filmmaking powers to just make fun monster movies. And that's why I like Crimson Peak, too, because it's not it's just him being, like, crazy and fun, you know, to me. Well, we even we even get a big mech, like, in Pacific Rim in this movie. And, I mean, to what end? I found that so bizarre that that's just kind of happening in the background. is never fully yeah. explored. But. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the kind of the post-atomic themes in, like, especially, like, Japanese sci-fi cinema are, you know, pretty been pretty well documented and i think they certainly play into this movie as well but we've just done more thinking than than the filmmakers or the writers did because i by the end of this thing i never really had any grasp of what was actually going on on a grander scale you mean like thematically no No, not thematically i mean like where like where actually are these creatures coming from oh yeah been here what is gantz where does gantz come from who runs gantz or is gantz like an ai or something like it's just this movie is thin on pretty much everything except action, um, yeah. well, which, you know, is fine. Yeah, and I mean, that's the exact... I had the same frustrations with the comic, which, again, I don't know, maybe this gets explained in volume 27 of Gantz or something, <laughs> but there was no explanation, really, of where they're coming from, like, what Gantz actually is, who created it, if anything created it. It just, it just kind of is at least for the first three volumes of Gantz. I'd just be interested to hear a perspective from somebody who's actually like read the whole goddamn thing because the three volumes I read were not enough to make me read more. I did not like it. Um, but I actually did like this movie for the most part. Maybe just because of the contrast to Gantz. One thing I'll say about a, a, a positive contrast between the manga and the film, the characters were unpleasant as fuck in the manga yeah. And I mean, they're, you know, certainly a bit thinly sketched in this, but I at least liked our kind of stoic 17-year-old lead in the the first three volumes of the comic that I read. And unfortunately, this is an archetype that pops up in a lot of manga and, and bothers me, is it's just this like super like aggressively anti, anti-social young man who is just like constantly <laughs> thinking about boobs. Like there's one female character and... <laughs> to be fair, the female characters are not done particularly well by in this movie either. But no. <laughs> the, the female character, there's like a sole female character in those first three volumes of the comic. And it's just all the time about all the men leering over her and basically the writer and artist like leering over her with them. It tired me the fuck out and there was literally nobody I liked in the comic. I at least felt like I enjoyed spending time with a few of these characters in the movie. So that was a nice change of pace. We get a classic manic pixie dream girl in this, though, who I was yeah. very was simultaneously annoyed by, but also like frustrated with the objectification of her. Mm. Um, I don't feel like they went too far with that to the point where it was like super uncomfortable. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean that's that's the level of of uh, intelligence that we're talking about behind this script, like, and and we'll get into it in the spoiler room. I'll just put it there. Yeah, it's just it's like we don't. I, I know we got to talk about story and on this show, but like, there's just for me, this movie is just it's all action, yeah, all gore, no real ideas. Characters are irrelevant. I don't care what's going on in the story, nor did I when I was watching it. I don't care, really, if this guy makes it home to see his brother. I want to see heads explode, samurai sword, chop, weird shit, ugly face, (laughs) skeleton, skull face, spooky, ooky, gooey. I want to see all that. So would you view it, it, or screw it? Because I feel like we're there. Oh. We yeah, yeah, and and I'm gonna give it a screw it, but it's I I I would almost give it a cue it because it like I said it 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 the action stuff works well enough. It's just what's the point? We're mm-hmm. just so inundated as a culture with this pointless action bullshit, and I can't justify anyone taking an hour and a half out of their life to watch it. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. Some of the creature design is pretty cool. If you're really into creature design, then maybe you can watch it. But I, for for me, I'll say I'll say screw it, Patrick or Steven. <laughs> yes, you have to I, pick I, one. I, I, will, I will also give it a screw it. But I didn't like hate the experience of watching this movie again. Wish I would have gotten ripped beforehand, and I probably would give this at least a cue. <laughs> Um, the creature design is cool, but like there's barely a there's barely a a, a character to hang your hat on, or, or really much of a plot. You're definitely not going to get answers to any big questions if you come up with any while watching this. And I don't think it's as cool as the action is in the creature design. It's not enough to justify 90 minutes. I mean, I could see this being strip it down to 20, and it's like a love, death, and robots episode. I, I strip it down to strip it down to two minutes, and it's the best Super Bowl commercial you've ever seen. <laughs> sure, uh, slap a QR code on it, sell some crypto. Uh, <laughs> That's <laughs> you win the game and you get your life back, or the opportunity to buy crypto. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a screw it. However, I'm glad because. It's funny, when Patrick first said this title on the last uh, episode, when he chose this film, I was like, what the fuck is that? And then I realized when I looked at it, I'm like, oh my god, I feel like this has been there on Netflix since we started this journey. Pretty close. And I've always, like, wondered, but just kind of wrote it off to the point that I stopped, like, actually seeing it with my eyes when I was looking for a film to select. And it sounds like even if you're into manga, you're probably into better manga than ants, you know? So this might not even be worth checking out. Patrick, what did you think? So, and and just to follow up on what you just said, Gantz is hugely popular, and after reading it, I don't understand why. I don't know. I, I this is another thing where I almost want to like bring the Discord in because I know we have at least one fan of of Gantz on the Discord, and I'd be curious to hear from Gantz manga fans like what you love about it, where it gets good, or if you just think it's awesome from the jump. I I, I want to hear about it. The the comic did not do it for me. The movie I will give a cue it. Um, the animation exceeded my expectations. The action was fun, inventive. Again, probably the creature design that we enjoyed is likely the product of the manga, but 
if there was some original creature design in, involved here, props to the filmmakers. And I was actually invested in like the rudimentary kind of characters and, and story that we had here. I liked a couple of the characters. I actually was invested in like Kato's, you know, need to get back to his brother. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think again, kind of case of low expectations where I just assumed this was going to be ugly and unpleasant, especially mm-hmm. after reading the comic, which I did generally find ugly and unpleasant. But for the most part, I had fun with this. And especially if you just, if you do want to watch 90 minutes of a pretty fucking killer video game cutscene, then view it for sure. But given that probably most of you are not, I'll go with cue it. All right. Next, we are going to go into the spoiler room with the big spherical Gantz in it and re- uh, reveal the spoilers from the end of this film. But before we do that, as usual, I will encourage you all to go to our website, everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com. We have at least a partial list out there of all the movies that we've watched and the ratings that we have given them. You can also go to our merch store. There's a link on the website, and you can find a t-shirt or other goods and sundries with Amon Art on it. Also, check our show notes. There's a link there to our Discord where you can join a really lovely online community of horror enthusiasts, Amon enthusiasts for um, scintillating discussion of this genre that we all love. And lastly, go to your podcast provider of choice, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a review. We love to see the feedback, and it helps people find the show. We're working on getting Henry Thomas on the Discord. Yes. <laughs> we think he might uh, socialize better in the digital realm than the physical. I used to. Like, he <laughs> reminded me, he talked to me the way, like, I used to talk to, like, a girl I liked who I didn't talk to in real life, but only on the internet. And so if we get him on the internet, he'll probably he'll probably be fine. <laughs> okay. All right, are you guys uh, ready to suit up and be beamed down into the spoiler room with our little laser guns? Yeah, I'm ready. I want to kill some monsters. All right, let's do it. My, my, my monster. We'll be back in just a minute. All right, we are back. We're here with Gantz. It's given us some directions. It says we have to reveal all the spoilers from Gantz O or else we don't get to go back and see our families. So we better get this done, guys. (laughs) We only have two hours to do it. (laughs) (laughs) So start your clock. (laughs) We're going to try to try to fit this in. No, I mean, I, I don't think there are any spoilers, really. I mean, just the bare the plot. Again, it's so thin. I mean, there is um, absolutely a plot twist here. It's just a bit of a confusing one. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the subplot that doesn't matter that kind of goes through this movie is that our friend Kato is like apparently disrupting the game because he is actually going out of his way to like save the civilian monster fighter oh, yeah. people who are just getting killed by the monsters. And he's like, no, even though I'm still level one and these are level 60 monsters, I'm going to fight them anyway, because I can't stand by and watch this, this little sap die. This this blows the mind. This blows the mind. It's like me playing dark souls. Yeah. But you can't, you can't save people in dark souls. Can you, you can't, but I mean, as far as being like level one and fighting level 60 monsters, like I'm not very good at those games though. I've managed to beat them, but I get to a point where I'm like, all right, game challenge accepted. It might take me three times as long as anyone else, but I'll do it. 
Yeah. And actually, that's I kind of related to Kato because I've played those games too. And I know what it's like to be underpowered against something that can one shot you like that. Yeah. And so I was worried because I'm like, Kato, you're going to die. Oh, yeah. I had um, so many. You don't get second chances. Yeah. I had so many like bad flashbacks to those fucking bosses where you know you hit them with the weapon that works on everybody else and then they just immediately heal and i was like god damn and it was again like triggered that like memory of just being like ah fuck i'm gonna be doing this for like the next three hours before i finally managed to defeat this fucker you know yeah i i think this movie really works as a like a trailer for the gans o anime series if not the mangas or as a trailer for a video game based on Guns O, which one does exist from the PlayStation 2 era. Mm. I watched some gameplay videos of it, and it was very PlayStation 2 era. Um, Oh, here's a question. This is kind of random, but what does O mean? I was just about to address that. I'm not 100% sure. I know there's a spinoff of the original Guns manga that's also a manga called Gantz G, I believe, and I'm not sure what the G refers to. I think the O in this just refers to it being in Osaka because they're at first in Tokyo and then they wind up in Osaka, which we didn't really mention that, but there's like an Osaka team of monster hunters who are all like stone cold badasses. And then a bunch of them get like killed and wounded. And that's a whole who cares. Right. right? It's like set up as this big thing and it doesn't really fucking well, matter except that we can see what happens if you keep playing the game and you choose to get the cool weapon every time you get a well i brought points. it up mostly to kind of set up our, our spoilers because the 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 badasses all die they all get fucked up by some you know high level monsters Wait. i actually the one thing i want to say about these badasses is that was another part i liked where you see these like two super badass blackwater dudes and they're just <laughs> so numb to the carnage and the suffering around them. And they're like, you know, eating falafel while there's like a fucking girl being murdered by a monster or something. And they just like casually shoot the monster afterwards. I, I thought it did a good job of portraying the desensitization that happens to real sickos in the combat zone. Hmm. Yeah, so anyways, those guys uh, get killed, which leaves our group of mostly amateurs or lowly le- lower-level players to try and fight the big boss, which is, that was kind of cool bit of creature design, too, or kind of a cool concept for a creature in general. Like, this thing is constantly changing forms. I mean, it goes through, what, like, probably fucking 10 completely different forms throughout this final battle. And they're all scary, but we finally arrive at one that is unfuckwithable. Yeah. Imagine the coolest, the coolest fucking thing you've ever seen air sprayed on the back of a motorcyclist <laughs> jacket. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Cooler than that. Cooler than that is what we're talking about. But then my other favorite part of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, where 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 he he looks at Kato and I think he's just like effortlessly killed some badasses and he looks at Kato and he's like, "All right, are you ready for me to effortlessly kill you too?" And Kato's like, "No, I'm going to fight you to the death." But he's like, "Why are we doing this?" <laughs> like, and there's a little tender moment where he's like, "Why are we stuck in this perpetual loop of killing each other for no reason other than we're there?" 
and mm. it's a little bit touching. Don't remember that? Guess I didn't react to it that way. Yeah, it's a little poignant. And then I forget what the I think the monster's response is like, "Do you feel like you're looking at God right now or something like that?" And he's like, "Yeah," or something. Yeah. And I don't really know where yeah. it went from there, but 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 the the battle is is yeah. joined. Yeah, and and Kato and the two women and the old man who are left kind of team up to distract this thing and work together oh, to take it down. That's- that's what interrupts them because they're having this tender moment and they're starting to talk about philosophy. But Kato, and he's forgotten about this at this point, has previously arranged to have his friends surprise attack him with sniper rifles. Mm-hmm. So they're having this little moment, and then all of a sudden he starts getting lit up by sniper fire. And so then there's just a fight and no more yeah. time for talk. But they succeed, uh, long story short, in killing this mega monster. They all get beamed back to the the Gantz room. Gantz reveals that uh, Kato has uh, achieved the requisite 100 points. The others, not so much. Mm-hmm. Not even not even close. close. I thought yeah. that was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, they gotta be, they gotta have at least like twenty. No, it's like two points. Yeah, I think the runners <laughs> <laughs> and they were they were kicking ass too. They were. Well, I, I think it's shocked. because Kato gets the kill shot on the mega monster, right? Which just nets him like a bazillion points. Yeah. and so the runner up gets yeah. like twelve points. The second second place is like twelve points, and then Kato has a hundred points. But crucially, before they get being back, Kato's uh, new bay the little 23-year-old single mom who just Ugh. recently made a plan with him to move into his house and live with his brother and her son as as a little family, so to speak, she gets cut in half and dies. Yeah. And the last thing we see of Kato in the war zone is him crawling just his hands because his legs have been cut off uh, over to her corpse. But he's, but he's beamed back to the yeah. apartment. Where he has the choice to resurrect a dead teammate or return to his normal life with his mind wiped. You know, that would mean he gets out of the whole monster hunting game. And of course, he makes the selfless choice. He brings back Bay and then leaves because they suddenly realize they can leave this room that they thought they were confined to, which I thought in the context of the comic, they were absolutely confined. So that was a little bit confusing to me. Yeah, that was really confusing, but it's a, it's a little bit of a shot. I mean, we know he's going to do it, but it is pretty silly that he does that because, like, is it the selfless choice? He's got a brother to take care of. It's already established that they're orphans and he, like, you know, left school to go into the workforce so he could put food on the table for his little brother who's currently, like, sleeping at the dinner table waiting for him to get home. And instead of returning to that life and his brother, he decides to resurrect this woman who he met Two out an hour and a half ago. Well, but she has a <laughs> in a fucking she has video a daughter game. to take care of. Though that's that's his main she motivation. She says it's like circle. <laughs> it is. I do it. I thought about the fake husband and wife in that too during the ending of this. Well, anyways, he's oh running home to his. I mean, the main thing that bothered me about this was I was like, okay, so why is it? I mean, okay, obviously it sucks to have to keep fighting these monsters, but at least in the context of the comic and in the context of the movie and the character's understanding of what's going on, like Kato's understanding of what's going on, it seems like he's just confined to this room. He's either in this room or out there obligating to fight monsters was my understanding. But suddenly it's just like, oh, you can go home and see your brother. And I thought that was 
the incentive to choose the third option, you know, like leave this all behind, have your mind wiped because now you can go see your brother. But it turns out he can just go to his brother anyway. So that was yeah confusing. And to tell me. him I'm going to get called back to duty right. soon. You can watch me on yeah. TV. I left TV dinners in the in the pantry. And by the way, here's six thousand dollars I stole from a cash register in the in the shop that the monsters were killing yeah. everybody inside of. But then the 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 actual the real little twist that <laughs> happens in like the final two minutes is the characters left behind after he runs off to go see his brother revealed that he's actually been through this before. So he had previously gone through that. He had died once, fought monsters to the point that he got a hundred points, elected to finally have his mind wiped and go back to normal society and then died again and got brought back into the monster hunting game. So this is his second run through all of this. Oh, what? I totally did not clock that. That's what happened. That's when I referred to earlier. It was like, there was a real missing from mm. this movie because it just like resets at one point and I, I'm dumb and I didn't realize that's what was yeah. going on. Oh yeah, that part makes sense. And, and actually it's cool because then you're like, all right, now it makes a little more sense why this wet behind the ears guy can just kill the level 100 monster on his first mm. try at Gantz. Because it's like the born identity. He's done this before. Yeah. He just can't remember. <laughs> yeah, and, and they also revealed that like the last time too, he would always make selfless choices to bring back others instead of like finally going yeah. back to his normal life. Which I'm not sure what prompted him to finally make the choice to go back to his normal life if it, he was always deciding to revive others. But whatever, that's the twist. Yeah, yeah bored. See, I read it. I mean, just to explain what my what my thinking on it was, which is wrong. Um, but I also don't think this was like a particularly well crafted movie. So I'll give myself a, a little bit of credit. I thought it was like a postscript. Like he runs back to see his brother and is like, "I'm gonna hi, but also I'm gonna go keep doing this because I want to save my friend." And then they just didn't show us him going back into the world. And then he decides to have his mind wiped. I don't know. It's all. It's all ultimately kind of kind of meaningless in the end. <laughs> what you, yeah, what you said didn't make any sense to me. But it, it does suppose the question, how do we know that this hasn't happened to us? We don't. <laughs> and I bet it's happened to you of all of us. I just have a feeling. Maybe. Maybe this, maybe this has something to do with the eight minutes of time I can't account for when we went camping after we saw that thing. We're we not supposed talk to talk about Crooked Lake, Chris. Come on. Chris was the Blackwater guy eating the falafel. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It could happen to me. I'm not saying, you know, not a, the peop, not everyone who goes in there goes in there with a broken psyche. Sometimes you go in there normal and you just you just the darkness comes out of you. If, That's what's so bad about war. If Gar, you know. if Gantz like beamed you into Resident Evil 4 world, you'd be the you'd oh. be the general. You'd be the the commander yeah. in chief. Level 100. I did think Level about Resident 100. Evil 4 watching this. <laughs> I thought about Resident Evil a lot. I mean, such a tired debate, but I was like, is this even is this even horror? Like, why is this in our queue? Uh, no. But but then I was like, well, if Resident Evil is horror, then this is horror. I guess it has a monster. It's just not my. It's yeah, not my kind of horror. There's monsters. There's gore. I would. I mean, it's more sci-fi than anything, but it's there's right. horror elements to it for sure. But I want to I want to ask about the final shot. What you guys thought? Because it ends very abruptly. He throws uh-huh. open the door to his and his brother's house, and his, the facial expression is strange. He almost mm-hmm. looks a little like 
grief-stricken, perhaps, and I wondered almost if we were about to find out the brother had died, but then it just ended, and I wasn't sure really what you're supposed to make of that. It seemed like a very pointed like choice as far as that acting yeah. moment, that expression, but I wasn't sure what it meant. Could it be the limitations of CGI like motion capture or what they had available for this movie? Because I was also completely jarred by that final shot and was unsure how I was supposed to feel emotionally. Perhaps I don't you'd remember think the final shot. You'd think if you're just going to end it on that, like you could slap a smile on the character's face or something instead of making it look like he's potentially upset by what he's seeing inside the house. I don't know. That he was can't, comes in. He sees his choice. little brother. His little brother's eating pizza, hanging out with the big final boss monster. Yeah, and maybe having a good time. Maybe. What if it's like that movie Serenity with Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> and it's all been a video game the whole time that the little boy's been playing. Oh, I still haven't he seen sees, that. I really and need to. And he sees, he walks in and he sees the boy playing the video game. And the boy's right at this, at this, the part in the video game where his brother comes home and he catches it, but it's him from, he's seeing himself yeah, from and behind. He has, to, he has to do a quick time event. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> Well, and frankly, I even wonder if, like, maybe it does tie into some other, like, piece of media in this franchise. You know, if maybe it's a nod to something in the comic or game or whatever. That's another thing where I would love to hear if somebody's listening to this and, like, loves this franchise and knows what's going on. Like, I would maybe maybe there's a tie there. I don't know. Fucking enlighten us. Because, I mean, even down to, like, my question about the title of this. I'm like, just, if you want to get me into your thing, like, call it something that makes sense to me. You know, and even down to like the storytelling in this, like I can't tell. Is this like set in is is this from like a one shot of the Gantz manga universe? Is this a new thing? Is this trying to like is this like a prequel to set it up? Like are there gonna be more movies? I don't know. When you end it like that, it's almost pat like Patrick the way that you reacted, uh, which is a fair reaction to the end of Nope. <laughs> where, mm. where it's like what? Like, I could easily see somebody being like, wait, what is going on here? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think maybe my final thought on this is just to keep in mind that it isn't made for us. You know, I mean, it's in Japanese. It's made for a Japanese audience. It's made for an audience that's probably pretty deeply steeped in this whole very, 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 very popular franchise over there to begin with. So there is that to consider, I guess. They're not necessarily talking to us here in the States as people who don't know anything about this franchise. Yeah, it reminds me of like these like Resident Evil movies that are like CGI and made just for the fans of the games. And, you know, there'll be standalone stories that incorporate disparate elements from the Resident Evil lore into a little semi self contained story so that the fans who have read the book or played the game or whatever can sit and they can do the Leonardo DiCaprio thing where they point at the TV <laughs> when they see something they recognize. Well, yeah, I mean, it even reminds me of, like, you know, certainly American comics and how fucking impenetrable that shit can be. Even, again, like, for me as somebody who's, like, been steeped in that shit for however many years now, I still get confused on a regular basis. And reverse the roles and you're a Japanese audience reading American comics. I'm sure it's just as baffling, but I don't know. This seems like it was, like, a well-budgeted movie. It's been on Netflix for a long time. It has an English dub. Like, it it, it has a... Uh, uh, an American distributor, I I feel like a little bit more work could have been done, even maybe in, in just the, the the boilerplate like description that comes along with it to like give you some context. Maybe it's asking too much. I don't know. Bit befuddling in places, no matter no matter how you slice it. That's true. But 
I feel confident that whatever Stephen is going to pick for us to watch next will be less befuddling. What are we? What are we doing, Stephen? Oh yes, boy, Stephen, the man who brought us the open house, <laughs> the man who brought us uh, choose or die. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Yes. The man who brought us... What else did you bring us, man? Probably some other pieces of shit. You know what? <laughs> Netflix is full of them. It's not my fault. I'm trying to be adventurous. I think we're going to watch... I know you guys have heard of this one. The Thing. We're going to watch The Thing. The remake. Episode. From and what you- year? What year is it? <laughs> I almost picked that. What year? <laughs> I've been so uh, curious about that remake. <laughs> We're going to watch The Thing from 2011 after discovering... That was, that was a- my Terminator reference, by the way. After discovering or- an alien life form... <laughs> God damn it, Chris. <laughs> in Antarctic ice, a team of scientists descends into paranoia as they realize the creature is awake and among them. Sound familiar? Sure, we've seen this movie before. <laughs> <laughs> but have you seen it? From 2011. 2011. <laughs> yeah, With so. none of the personnel that you are attached to from the first one. But you can bet your goddamn ass John Carpenter got a fat paycheck for this piece of shit. Oh, uh, I've never seen it. I'm curious. Uh, we sure got, he loves talking about it. We got Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Joel yes. Edgerton oh. running this show. Yeah. So how bad, bad. It, how bad Can't can it be really bad. be? And also, you know, we're in peak summer. We're in the dog days. Right now in Michigan, I want to watch a movie that's. I got my eye on that dog, though. (laughs) Don't let anyone alone with that fucking dog. (laughs) Oh, I hope it's a cat in the remake. That'd be kind of fun. Oh, it should be just like how they switched um, the boy, the boy with the girl who died in in Pet Cemetery for the the new one. Yeah, they do a a cat instead of a dog. It'd be pretty cool. I doubt it, but we can hope. All right. Well, in two weeks. We'll find out if it's a cat or a dog in the 2011 (laughs) remake of The Thing. Until then, I'm Patrick. I'm Chris. And I've been Steven. We'll see you next time. Bye.